When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Stack in the Box. I am Matt Verderam, joined as always by Josh Hill, and we now know what the Super Bowl matchup is going to be this year. It is a return to the past. It is a return to where it all began. It is New England, and it is the Rams, this time of uh, Los Angeles, and not St. Louis, but the point remains, uh, a rematch of Super Bowl thirty-six when the Pats recorded the Rams, and then a whole bunch of crap ensued, and the, the Pats ended up winning and the Rams ended up being very, very bitter about all of it. That all said, uh, that is the matchup we have. Both teams went on the road in the NFC and AFC title games, and they won. And so, Hill, I'll see the floor to you. Uh, your biggest takeaways from both road teams finding a way to win. I feel like we have to have a better way to officiate these games. Like, I, I hate complaining about the refs, and I know you do too, but we also hate bad football. So... It's impossible to talk about this weekend without talking about the Nico Roby Coleman play, the pass interference that wasn't called, that ended up shifting the entire momentum of that game. Now, we're not talking about this if Sean Payton doesn't run a pass play on first down inside of the goal, inside of the, the red zone. That was idiotic. Rams use up those timeouts. We're, we're having a different conversation. But that penalty, and then the fact that we had three reversed calls in the fourth quarter of the Chiefs-Patriots game, including a Julian Edelman muffed punt, which was a momentum changer because the Chiefs get the ball back, they might score, all of a sudden they take control of the game. And then we watched Tom Brady get breathed on the wrong way, and there's a roughing the passer call that extends a touchdown drive. There has to be a better way to officiate these games. These are the biggest games of the season. And it is incredible that it comes down to these things. And it's, it's not that there's necessarily a ton of bad calls. It's the fact that we have one or two egregious calls that everybody then zeroes in on and talks about. That's not what we should be talking about. We should be talking about Patrick Mahomes leading the Chiefs 48 yards in 28 seconds. We should be talking about Greg Zerline hitting the longest game-winning field goal in NFL playoff history. But tomorrow morning and all week, we're going to be hearing about the pass interference. We're going to be hearing about the penalties reversed or the the calls reversed in the Chiefs game. And that's just not the way that we should talk about playoff football. We're still talking about the Des Bryant catch. That was how many years ago? Give it a rest. Fix it. Yeah, look, I I totally agree. You might as well have read my column. 
because uh, <laughs> Stack in the Box comes out Monday at 6 a.m. and fan-sided, uh, and it's 2,000 words of me talking about, look, it, I never, ever talk about the officials. If you listen to this podcast, mm-hmm. I don't do it. I don't believe in it. I think it's a loser's ballad. I cannot stand yep. when fans tweet me and talk to me about, oh, they blew this call. Well, your team blew the game, so I just save it. The Saints have every right to say, we got hosed, we should be in the Super Bowl, because it should be. That pass interference is so egregious by Nickel Roby Coleman. He Even after the game, <laughs> he was like, yeah, I hit him as early as I could. I just didn't want him to score a touchdown. I knew it was pass interference. He knows it was pass interference. Immediately after the game, Sean Payton says, I talked to the league already, and they admitted, yeah, it was a terrible call. I don't know what you do. But I can tell you this. The NFL puts its highest-graded officiating crews into these games, into the playoffs. This is what you're dealing with? I mean, these are top two crews in the league. And the Kansas City-New England game, look, there was no call that swung the game, at least on a non-call. Certainly there was a call that did, but it was a mm-hmm. correct call. But, you know, there were calls and non-calls in the Chief Pats game. Chris Jones roughing the passer. He, he didn't even hit Brady in the helmet. That was a big call. There was another couple of calls that Chiefs got away with where they mugged Gronkowski. Eric Berry basically took Gronkowski out to kneecaps mm-hmm. 25 yards off. They didn't call it. Look, I'm all for letting the boys play, so to speak. But if, if a penalty is that egregious, you just have to call it. I mean, there, there have been so many games this year that have been swung on just ridiculous missed calls, calls or bet. There's human error and everything. It's going to happen. So if you watch baseball, guys are going to miss a strike every now and again. It's, gonna, like, it's reality. I don't know what the NFL does. Not to give away my column, but by the time you listen to this, I'm sure it'll be up. Uh, I propose, look, the NFL, they grade all these guys. They grade every play. And, and girls, I should say, because Sarah Thomas is one of the officials even in the playoffs, uh, making history. Look, they grade everybody on, on every play in, uh, in every single game that they do throughout the year. The, the three crews that are graded the worst should be fired. And they should just bring in people underneath at lower levels in the college level who are qualified who can come in and do the job because there's no accountability. These, I mean, how many times do you watch a game and so, some guy has been the official for 30 years in the NFL? I mean, experience is great unless you're not good. I mean, my God, look, I, as a Chief fan, I wake up in a cold sweat with thinking about Jeff Triplett. <laughs> I mean, forward progress. I've never seen forward progress rolled on a sack in my life. And it just it swung a whole game last year in the postseason. So I'm I'm in total agreement with you. And you know what sucks? Two really good games were played today. Yeah. It's the first time in NFL history that Championship Sunday saw both games go to overtime. The four best teams in the league played, and they played like it. it they were great games. And for me, whenever I think about the Saints-Rams game, all I'm going to think about is that call that got blown at the end of the game that, that was not made. And with the Chiefs-Pats game, I'll certainly think about other things. I will think about a certain penalty. But to be fair, that was the correct call. But there were a lot of missed calls in that game that absolutely could have swung it. And I, I just say to myself, like, the NFL, between that and the rules that they can never seem to nail down on a catch, I mean, just get it together. It cannot be this hard to figure out how to officiate a game and how to write a decent rule book. Yeah, and it's also the reviews. So in the Chiefs game, when we were watching it, we had the we had the Edelman play where there's the muffed punt that wasn't a muffed punt, which you know it's wishy washy. It goes either way. There's no real egregious way to look at it. But then I forget who was the next. We had a dropped pass, 
and we went to review it, and it was clearly a dropped pass. They just could have turned around and looked at the video board at Arrowhead and you know saw that it was a dropped pass. But we're there for almost half the time we were at the Edelman review, which was a long time. What a 10-minute review. And we're looking at this drop pass for five minutes. Like, come on, speed up the process a little bit. We talked about this before the season with the lowering the head rule and how this was going to be a problem. We're going to have flags all over the place, and maybe we're going to have to review it, but that's going to extend the game. Well, here we are. We're a couple weeks away from the Super Bowl, and we're having the same conversation with different evidence, and we don't feel any better about it. And I don't like complaining about the refs. So, like, we all feel bad about this. This is awful. Hey, look, you know what? I'm also – just going to open a vein because I have nothing else to do here. Look, uh, as far as the Super Bowl goes, I'm not going to go into a whole bunch of stuff about the Pats. And if you're a Pats fan, I'm sorry. Like, look, you've been to nine of them. There's not really a whole hell of a lot to break down with the Pats. Right? Like, they're the third team in NFL history to make the Super Bowl three years in a row. Uh, ironically, all three of those teams come from the ACs. The Bills did it to start the 90s. They went to four. Of course, they lost all four. The Dolphins did it uh, from 71 to 73. They won two of those. Like, the Pats are ridiculous. Okay, they're the greatest team I've ever seen in my life. I mean, they they go to the Super Bowl as though it's an annual right. Mm-hmm. It's just unbelievable how often they finally. I will say this: any anybody who comes up to me and tells, and I'll be at the Senior Bowl starting tomorrow and on Monday, and I'll be at the Super Bowl. I think my head might explode if someone comes up to me and says the Pats are underdogs ever. I'm so sick of it. We, Edelman selling T-shirts. I mean, no offense to Julian Edelman. That's all fine. Well, like you want to make a buck, God bless your capitalism, and it's fine. So I'm never going to knock the man for that. You're not an underdog. You're the New England Patriots. And frankly, mm-hmm. on a personal note, like, you were popped for PDs for the first four games of the year. Like, you ought to just lay low a little bit. Be thankful that, look, your team is great around you. You were able to come back from a really nasty knee injury and be a really good player. But also, like, you, you kind of got some baggage to go along with you. So, I, I, yeah. I don't like I, I just – I get tired of oh, – it's like, it's like Mike Tyson in his prime coming out and being like, well, I'm an underdog. Found a way to beat Spinks this time around. Like, no, you weren't an underdog. Everybody thought you were going to knock him out in 30 seconds. And while the Pats were a three-point dog in the game, if you know anything about Vegas, you know that means they think the game's even up. So, look, I, I give ultimate respect to the Pats. And, by the way, to Edelman, who had a great game. Mm-hmm. Um, I only bring up the PD stuff because it's just like, look, man, like just, just enough. Like, you know, like you're not, you're not exactly the person that I think most people want to be hearing that from over and over and over. Um, but in retrospect, look, I, I think the Pats. I thought they were going to lose this game, not because I am a Chiefs fan, but because I just thought they wouldn't be able to cover the Chiefs. I thought the Chiefs had too much speed. I give Belichick a lot of credit for going out and being able to devise a scheme where they were aggressive at the line. They got a lot of pressure on the Chiefs, which the Chiefs had been very good all year about not giving up a lot of pressure. Um, They figured it out as the game went on, and to some degree I was right. I mean, Mahomes in the second half went berserk. They scored 31 points. Their offense wasn't the problem. Uh, What I was surprised at was the the Chiefs defensively, not that I thought they were good by any stretch, they didn't. Mm -hmm. But I I just thought at some point in this game, foolishly apparently, they, they would just try to make a move. Do something. And it's just, look, my ultimate takeaway from this for both teams is the Pats are the most well-coached team I've ever seen. They find weaknesses in you. The Pats just ran the ball to Chiefs over. They only averaged three yards of carry, 3.7 yards of carry. They weren't great, but they, they were persistent in it. They were great on third down. And the, the Chiefs just never adjusted. Mm-hmm. I mean, defensively, 
Look, I said this last year. I said this after the 2013. Like, if they don't fire Bob Sutton, I, I might have an aneurysm right here live on the podcast one day. I, I just don't like, what is it going to take? They, they didn't blitz at all the final two drives of the game. They sat there in man coverage, and they just let the Pats perform surgery. They let him go right down the field. Lewis Riddick after the game was just beside himself on Twitter. He's like, I don't understand what the Chiefs are doing. How do they do this all the time? And if you go look, this isn't just a one-off complaint. They do this all the time. When they're in critical moments, Bob Sutton is almost guaranteed to play cover two, man under four, man rush. He never changes. They, they don't try to switch it up. They had three, I believe it was all three of them were third and tens in the overtime drive. He sat there. He let Brady mm-hmm. know it was going to be one-on-one. They didn't double Edelman. They didn't double Gronk. They didn't bring a blitz. They didn't run a stunt. They didn't run a twist. They did nothing. They sat there and just said, well, hope it doesn't work out. Hope somebody drops a pass. And I, I just to me, it's in defense. Well, look, if, if they had tried some stuff and it didn't work, you wouldn't hear me complain about it. I know they're not the most talented defense in the world. But to just sit there and say, well, you're the greatest quarterback of all time. We're going to tell you it's man. We're going to tell you you're not, we're not blitzing. And just hope for the best. I mean, I just it is mind-blowing. It's really, honest to God, just mind-blowing. And I, I feel bad for the Chiefs' offense. I feel bad for their fans. I, I, you know, I just, I mean, my father's been waiting 50 years for him to go to a Super Bowl. And full marks to the Pats. They went into Arrowhead, which is a brutally tough place to play. Brady was tremendous. They had a great game plan. None of this is to take away that the Pats deserve to win the game. They, hell, you look at the stats. They should have won the game by 21 points. But when the Chiefs had opportunities to win the game, the offense came through in flying colors mm-hmm. over and over and over in the second half of the game. And the defense just could not get off the field. And, of course, I'll finish with this. Look, D. Ford, I, I got to say, I know he's a veteran. He's been in the league five years. He's 27 years old. I feel really bad for D. Ford because I'll, I will tell you this. As someone who roots for that team, that guy will never live that down, ever, ever. They're not a team that goes to Super Bowl every year. They're not a team that people say, well, next year. That city is going to bury D. Ford. They are going to just absolutely vilify the poor guy. And look, he deserves to get blamed. I mean, he, he lines up off sides. What are you doing? You have to line up correctly, but my God. I, I could, as much as that play defined the game, and if he doesn't line up off sides and they pick that ball off, game's over. Like, that game comes down to so many other things. Get off the field on third down. Be creative. After that play, they still could have stopped them. It was third down. They just can't do it. So for me, if you're a Chiefs fan, look, you go into the next, you go into the offseason with a lot of cap space, not a lot of free agents. You have a defensive heavy free agent class. You had a defensive heavy draft. You have three picks in the top 64, four in top 100. Like you have a lot of ammunition. And the one bright spot coming out is Mahomes is, is legit. I mean, if there's any ever, if there was ever any question, my God, that game should put it to bed. That was, if they play with any other quarterback in the league in that game, they lose by 20 points. That was unbelievable that they were even in that game. Um, so, look, that's my vein on the Chiefs. I know we have a lot of people who listen to our Chiefs fans, so, you know, bear with me if you're not. But, uh, look, it's frustrating. And I, I think if you're the Pats, you're thrilled, and you deservedly so. Their favorites in the Super Bowl last week, so they're a point-and-a-half favorite. Um, won't even bother picking it this week. Picking next week, I'll be, I'll, uh, I'll be down in Atlanta. But I, I think, uh, you know, full, again, full credit to New England. Um, I'm really sick of the underdog thing. Yeah. Like, unbelievably sick of it. Uh, as you could tell by my 
my ire and my my feelings about Julian Edelman and his just nonstop how how they're they're just scrappy under and the, the crazy thing is like he is a scrappy underdog he was at like Kent State as a quarter family it looks a little different for everyone for some it's mom and dad for others roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner, really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. We're back. He's made his career. And, but after, after the beginning of this season, what happened? Like, look, man, I, I just, I'm sorry. I don't want to hear from you. Like, if, if Tom Brady wants to say, hey, you know, we're, we're playing because we, you know, Chris Hogan is an underdog, fine. I don't want to hear out of Julian Edelman. And I, I certainly give the pass full credit, but as a Chiefs fan, uh, yeah, I mean, hell, it's a tough game. It is. And now the question is, like, what do you do to fix the defense? Because that's, that's a thing that we were talked about all season. Like, defense is a problem. Bob Sutton showed up for one game against Indianapolis, and we waxed poetic about it because we were like, holy crap. Didn't know that that was possible. Turns out, you know, the same old Bob Sutton was trapped in there. It's just a broken clock is right twice a day. So, like, Todd Bowles was a guy we threw out a lot, but he's in Tampa now. Rex Ryan is still out there. If you're the Chiefs, like, what do you do to go out and get Rex Ryan? A, for the entertainment value of having him in Kansas City. And B, he, he seems to be the type of guy that would bring everything that you need to the Chiefs. Like, when you look at a team like Kansas City who has everything going on on offense and they're, like, one piece away, usually it's an on-field piece. A team needs a running Aaron Rodgers needs a running back. The Vikings need a quarterback. Somebody, you know, the Chargers need a kicker. For the Chiefs, it's, it's like, high-level operational problems. Like, they need a defensive coordinator. Is there anybody out there that, like, you're looking at? Or is this just, like, the wound is too new right now to, to really kind of think about it? You know... Like, if they fired Sutton today, who in I'd your mind? I'd run naked through the streets. Okay? <laughs> well, so screaming maybe, whose name as the replacement for him. I've been on the record as saying I think Rex Ryan is a terrible head coach, but I, I don't mm-hmm. love him as a D coordinator. He's three, four guys. So it's the Chiefs run. Uh, I think he'd be great. That being said, I don't think they'll hire him because Reed has no connection to him. I mean, I, I don't know that there's a great, like, name out there that I'd say, oh, that guy definitely. I'm just to the point, man, just promote somebody. Just do anything. I mean, just try. Like I, look, I would have loved Todd Bowles, but he went to Tampa, which is a great hire for your Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, and that's fine. Like I get it. He's got a major connection to Arians, and, and that's all good and well. Um, I I don't have a name that I'd say. Oh, that guy would be a great fit for the Chiefs. Jack Del Rio. I mean, he'd be interesting. Not bad. You know, he knows I, the division, I, so. and he's a three-four guy, and he played for the Chiefs way back when. And I, I mean, look, I, I mean. Just anything. What I'd really like to see is I'm hire a younger guy who's who's aggressive and who just says, "Look, if we give up a big player to in a game, it's fine. We have Patrick Mahomes." Yeah, that is the thing. And I won't get look. I could go. This could be a four hour podcast because <laughs> it, really, it really could be. And I won't do it to the listeners. That is the thing that drives me so nuts about. So I've at least understood in the past that they don't blitz a lot. They're not very aggressive. Because they're an offensive with Alex Smith. It was never going to be a team, typically, that scored 30, 35 points in the game. I got that. They kind of play closer to the vest, a little bend, but don't break. The thing that always drove me nuts about Sutton was his complete and utter unwillingness to, to switch up looks in games. He just doesn't do it. And especially in big moments, they just sit in the same 
defense. And it's it's just nauseating. I'll never forget watching the 2013 game against Lock. where Lock comes back from 38 to 10. They win mm-hmm. the game. I charted that game when I worked at Arrowhead Pride Freshman Nation. They sat in cover two, literally, like 97% of that game. They just never changed. And guys were getting hurt. Guys were in and I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. I, I just couldn't believe. And that was his first year with the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he ended up obviously staying. And, and they had some very good defenses under Bob Sutton. But here's the trend. As their talent has decreased defensively, their rankings have just plummeted. Now you'd say, well, that makes sense. Well, of course it does. But if you're a really good coach, you prop that up to some degree. Maybe instead of going from really good to horrendous, you go from really good to like a little below average or average. They are just hideous. They have Justin Houston and D Ford and Chris Jones and Eric Berry and Kendall Fuller and can't stop anybody. I refuse to believe that's the 31st overall defense. I mean, they're worse than the Raiders. Yeah. The Raiders, Hill and I could start for the Raiders. <laughs> and it's just, it's mind-blowing how bad they are. Like I, again, I don't have a great name. I think Del Rio and Ryan would be two interesting guys. I don't know that they would go that route. I know Reed has no uh, connection to either one of them. But my God, I, I just think, look, you have to fire him. You have to fire him. I'm sitting here looking at Twitter, and there are people who, I, of course, a lot of which who I follow from Kansas City, and radio hosts are just saying every call is about, my God, Bob Sutton, I, I can't take it anymore. If nothing else, just for the fans, I, I think you have to say, guys, look, we know there's a problem. We're going to do something different. But to answer your question real quickly, what do you do? I think, look, you've got three draft picks in the, in the first two rounds. you you gotta, you got to find a way to, to improve this defense with those picks. I, I know that's obvious. I think, two, I think two of those three picks have to be a corner and a safety. Have to be. Mm-hmm. Their inside linebackers are abysmal, but Anthony Hitchens is signed basically from now until eternity, so he's not going anywhere. And Reggie Ragland runs like me, uh, but he plays like 30% of their snaps. So I don't think it's a huge deal. Look, I'd like to see them add, assuming they tag Ford, which, again, Mike, I feel so bad for that guy. Look, he made a horrible mistake, but, my God, he's never going to hear the end of it in Kansas City. Um I would, I would draft a corner. I draft a safety. Maybe Deontay, DeAndre uh, Thompson out of Alabama. I mean, maybe yeah. that's a guy in the first round you, you take. Uh, in free agency, I think you're aggressive. I know they, they tried to trade and had a trade set up for Earl Thomas. Do you go pay him? Do you go pay Landon Collins? Uh, you know, do, do you go out and spend big money on one? I don't know. Maybe the Honey Badger? There's a lot out there. If they don't tag Ford and somehow Jadavion Clowney hits the market, do they just go for broke? I I don't know, but I'll say this. They got, they got Mahomes for a couple more years on this rookie contract. If there's ever a time to just go for it, now's it. And I, I think if you're the Chiefs, you're just absolutely compelled to. You're compelled to. I, I don't think you do anything to this offense. I mean, what is there to do? They're loaded. Everybody's coming back next yeah. year. I mean, you just run it back. Maybe you add a depth piece here or there. Maybe you draft a second tight end or something. But, I, I mean – I think offensively, look, they're going to score 30 points in there. So they played like garbage for a half in the AFC title game, scored 31 points. And I will be forever convinced if they win that toss there, they're in the Super Bowl because they would have gone right down the field and scored. Yeah. But they didn't. Uh, but I, I, think, I think you just pour every resource you have in that defense. That's, uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. Because you look at the Jaguars last year, and I'm nervous about the Bears this year, and we've seen examples of this before. 
When you have your window, go through it. Don't sit here and say, oh, we're going to wait until next year, which that is not necessarily the worst thing to think about when something like this happens if you're a Chiefs fan. But the Jaguars, what did they do this year? They flamed out. Now they have to kind of hit the reset button, get rid of Bortles, do all this. The Bears next year. Who's to say that that defense is as good as it was this year? Who's to say that Mack is going to be as good as he was? Not that he's going to take a massive step back, but some of those other guys around him might. Same thing with this Chiefs team. Go out and get everything that you can to get to the Super Bowl. Because another team that played this weekend, the Rams, controversial call aside in New Orleans, they did that this offseason. They went out and they got Marcus Peters. They got Aqib Tlaib. They added Ndamukong Sue, And they traded pieces away. But they went out. And they got players that they looked at and said, we're going to go to the Super Bowl with these guys. These guys put us over the top. Our offense last year was, ex- was one of the best offenses in football, so much so that you know, teams are hiring quarterback coaches and guys who have talked to Sean McVay for five seconds in an airplane TSA line because they think that somehow he imparted some knowledge on them. The offense is fine. They're like, let's go fix the defense. And, you know, again, controversial call aside, lo and behold – where are the Rams playing in two weeks in the Super Bowl in Atlanta? So if you're the Chiefs or if you're any of these other teams, the Bears, go out and shoot your shot now because you may not get it again. I will, you know, it's been a while since I've died on a hill, but I will die on the hill that the Jaguars are not going to get to an AFC championship game in the next 10 years unless they find a quarterback. But their shot, they missed it. If you're, if you're with the Chiefs, if you're one of these teams, go out and do what the Rams did. They're in the Super Bowl. But that also bleeds into our controversial call talk that we you know had. what I, I I'm not worried as a Chiefs fan that they're going to be the Bears or the Jaguars because they have the quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, that guy is going to listen, if he's upright, that team, the Chiefs are going to be in the playoffs every year for about a decade. The, the problem is the defense stinks. And look, you know, everybody always just assumes, like, well, they'll be back. Well, I mean, maybe they will be they, they, with that kid in that offense. They, they should be very good, but it's hard. It's yeah. hard. It's hard to be healthy. It's hard to be the number one seed. And, I mean, Brady might be in a wheelchair in 40 years and still be out, out there. <laughs> so, I, look, the Pats aren't going anywhere. The Colts are getting better. You know, the Texans, I, I don't think with O'Brien, scary that much. No. But they're still there. They're talented. The Browns are not there yet, but they're getting interesting. The Chargers are really good. Yep. Like, the Chiefs, look, it's no cakewalk to win the division let alone be a one seed. And now, look, do I think the Chiefs are going to be back? Yeah, I think the Chiefs, because of Mahomes, I mean, they basically played without a defense this year and were an off-size penalty away from going to the Super Bowl. So your point, though, is still well taken. Okay, it's really well taken because you don't know. You don't know. And I think I, think, I will say this. As much as it stings for me personally, I think it hurts worse for the Saints and their fans today. That's awful, yeah. A, you got robbed, and B, Breeze is no spring chicken. Mm-mm. A, Breeze is, is 40 years old. Like, I think at least as a Chief fan, you'll get Mahomes, he's 23. Mm-hmm. There's a bright future. Now, Breeze is coming back again, but still, that's just... That stings more because it's almost like if the Chiefs lost this game 15 years from now. You know, the Saints got their one Super Bowl, but it was a, a decade ago, right? I get... And you look at the Saints, look, they got some guys hitting free agency that matter, okay? Mark Ingram's hitting free agency. Does he come back? I don't know. You know, I, it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to say, but he's, he's going to be gone, uh, you know, in, in all likelihood. They, they've got some other guys who are bit players but matter. A guy like a P.J. Williams, 
The good news is for the Saints, beyond that, most of these guys are all coming back uh, after this year. Their whole offensive line's back. Yep. Breeze is back. Kamara's back. Of course, Michael Thomas is back. I mean, the, the Saints have a lot of bright spots. I'm not saying by any means there's like a one-and-done situation for them. But when he's, when, first of all, when you're absolutely robbed, that just that haunts you. At least as a Chief, I said, look, they lost because they, they lost. They deserve to lose a game. But also, Breeze being 40 years old next year, like, it's just – it's tough. It's really tough. And again, they were the one seed. Like, who knows? They may not, uh, never be another one seed with Breeze. So, tough day. Tough day for both those teams. But uh, for the Pats and the Rams, they go on. It should be an interesting Super Bowl. Yeah, the stars really align for the Saints. And maybe, maybe it's we have the kiss of death because last year we picked them to go to the Super Bowl and it took a miracle in Minneapolis to bounce them out. And then they chased that this year with the pass interference call. Like, we talk about tortured fan bases and the Saints – Saints fans have had a lot of successes over the years, and it's hard to call a fan base who has Drew Brees as their quarterback a tortured fan base. But I can't remember, you know, outside of like something dramatic like the Bills' four-year run to the Super Bowl, where you've had such awful luck in secession like this. Like last year's the Minneapolis Miracle, where you're like everything's going right and right up to the last second, and you're like, how did this happen? Yep. Same thing here. And I was thinking about it, too, when I was watching the game. I was like, well, this is this type of situation. I thought it was uh, when I think it was Woods or Cooks caught the ball in the open, tripped around midfield, and then rolled for another 10 yards. If he was, you know, didn't trip, he's, that's a touchdown. We're in another mir- miracle situation. And then the pass interference penalty happens. And, it's, and, again, I don't want to make this all about the officials because Drew Brees threw an interception in overtime. The Saints let Jared Goff with one timeout go almost the entire length of the field to set up a game-tying field goal. So that's, it's not all on the officiating. Sean Payton with the passing play on first down there. But that pass interference call in the Minneapolis Miracle, you have these – yeah, they have the Super Bowl, but they also have these gigantic pillars of depression where it's just like, what the hell? Like, that's as embedded in their legacy as, that, as the Super Bowl is or the Steve Gleason blocked punt. Like, you've got these wonderful things. You also have these tremendous lows, and it's incredible to think that a fan base is suffering when they're in the, the championship game this much or they're in the playoffs this much. They have Drew Brees this much. But, my God, that is – you said it, hit the nail on the head. That is just a gut-wrenching feeling. They're going to be sick for that for a while. You know what? And by the way, if you're a Pats or a Rams fan, you're wondering why we're not talking about Super Bowl. Well, there's two weeks. We'll, we'll get to them. You guys have yours. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll, believe me, the whole podcast the following week will be dedicated to you guys. So it's kind of more – this is more yeah. just a recap of what's happened. Um, yeah, look, I, I think I think ultimately the NFL should be happy with what it's got, barring yeah. that ridiculous penalty uh, non-call in New Orleans. You had, you had four teams that were the four best teams, and they played like it. Yeah. They really – I mean, even as a Kansas City fan, that first half, my God, they looked nothing like they normally did. But they they acquitted themselves really well down the stretch. I, I thought, you know, the Rams and the Saints, it was a really good game. The Pats, of course, played very well. Um, it, it's – football is a game that oftentimes, as complex as it is, it's very simple. Mm-hmm. Block – Tackle, catch the ball, be accurate when you throw it. Like it's not, it's it's complex in its schemes and the way those things come to pass. But the motions of it are very simplistic, and I thought that's why the Pats are going to the Super Bowl. They were simplistic in what they did, but they were ruthlessly effective at it. Um, in the other game, I thought the Rams were outplayed pretty significantly for a lot of that game. But but they get the benefit of a really 
How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. Really, really bad non-call. And, to be fair, in overtime, Jared Goff made a couple of really nice throws under pressure yeah. with tight ends. Mm-hmm. And give Sean McVay credit, he had the stones to kick a 57-yard field goal. That thing goes, <laughs> if that thing's wide yeah. or short, they're in major trouble. But it wasn't wide or short. It was good. So give credit. Look, I think if you're a Saints or a Chiefs fan, obviously the finality of it, it's like driving down a street and you're hitting nothing but green lights and then you get hit by a semi. Like the finality of it is just is jarring. But I think, look, regardless of what franchise you're talking about, you had a great year. There's a lot of, you know, of, of great moments for both those teams, each of which won a playoff game, got to their conference title games. Again, I think it's easier to swallow if you're Kansas City than it is if you're New Orleans. I think with Kansas City, there's the feeling that this is just the start of this. With New Orleans, there's got to be a feeling of, well, I, I don't know how many more years we're going to have because yeah. Breeze is, you know, he's gone. Bridgewater's a free agent. Do they retain him? Probably not. Uh, They've got Taysom Hill. Yeah, actually, thank you. I, I wrote that in the column, and I wanted to bring that up, and I forgot because we're talking about everything else. I think I will press this by saying I think Sean Payton is a Hall of Fame head coach. Mm-hmm. If, if they run one more play in a big spot where Taysom Hill is the quarterback over Drew Brees, he should be fit for a straight jacket. <laughs> what are they doing? It's like if Kansas City just said, listen, we're going to put Charkandrick West in a quarterback on third and six. We're hoping for the best. I know Hill is a quarterback. I, I get all that. I understand that that's what he was, what he isn't. I don't care. Like, just Mm-mm. stop. Look, if you want to split the guy out and do this other crap and treat him like Cordell Stewart, fine. Okay? Fine. But unlike Cordell – actually, actually, very yeah, – comparison. That's a pretty good comparison. Cordell Stewart yeah. was, a, was a quarterback in college at Colorado. Cordell Stewart sucked. He was a terrible quarterback. And I remember when he came up with Pittsburgh in 95, and he was slash. And everybody just – freaked out about him and he was the newest thing that of course he got more pressed than Taysom Hill does but the point remains like just enough the difference with Cordell Stewart was he was replacing Neil O'Donnell yeah okay not the worst idea in the world by Bill Cat. he wasn't replacing first ballot Hall of Fame Super Bowl champion Drew Brees like just enough enough could you imagine in this game if Hill threw some brutal pick they got run back like just enough it's crazy if on the rams i'm praying to god that Taysom hill is lining up on the center on third down it's just dumb i don't care that he could run the ball and he's a weapon i don't i don't care it's just stupid and I, quite honestly i thought that game was horribly coached by both guys uh now mcveigh ends up getting bailed out because they win the game but i just thought i don't know now i don't want to get on about Gurley. Because I don't know if Gurley's hurt. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming he has to be. But Gurley's just like not playing. They're, they're running all these weird... I just don't understand what they're doing. I, defensively, they were weird in that game. And by the way, and I'm going to leave it at this. Got it. Marcus Peters. Yeah. Look, I am a Marcus Peters fan. Okay, I hate mm-hmm. it when she's straight him. I think he's a really good player. You defended him. I, I did. A lot. And he stunk this year. And I've defended him to the hilt. After the game... Okay, after you just got your ass torched all over the field again by the Saints. After the game, trying to like find Sean Payton, I was like, shut up. You have been atrocious. You've been nothing but a problem for that team on, on the field all year. 
you've been burnt like toast by every quarterback you've seen, and you're the guy after the game who's talking a big game, shut up and just be thankful that you're going to the Super Bowl because you've done nothing to help the team get there. I, look, I don't mind guys talking. I got no. If Tom Brady had gone up and, and slapped Bob Sutton silly, fine. You know what? He deserved it. If you're Marcus Peters after that effort, Marcus Peters couldn't cover anybody. He was in zone after game when he was in man. They were throwing at him nonstop. He couldn't cover anyone, including, by the way, Ted Ginn, who's like 88 yeah. years old. And, yeah. and Marcus Peters is getting torched by him. So enough. Enough. Just go to the locker room and be thankful. Because, frankly, you were a zero-burger again in that game. And I can tell you right now, Belichick, they are going to be looking to line up everybody and their mother on Peters in that game. So, look, I again, I'm a big Peters guy. I've always defended him. I loved his game in KC. I didn't care that he wasn't a big tackler. I didn't care that he was emotional. I do care when you stink all year long. And your reaction to that is to go talk smack to a coach after the game. Just shut up. You were, you were awful. To be very happy that you're going to Super Bowl. Yeah, it was uh, not a good look for Marcus Peters. So, and it's definitely going to be something I think that the, you made a good point targeting him in the Super Bowl. Bill Belichick before the Chiefs game, I said on our pregame show on Facebook, I, said, I don't think there's a coach in the league that was, is going to be better at scheming for Patrick Mahomes for shutting him down. And he didn't necessarily do that, but he was able to scheme for the, for the other weaknesses for, that the Chiefs have. So I'm just kind of like teasing when we're going to be talking about the Super Bowl. Calm, let's calm ourselves a little bit with the validation of Sean McVay's offense, which I'm on one hand very glad that is happening because every single apple is getting plucked off of his tree, and he had not made it out of the first round of the playoffs until this season. So now he's in the Super Bowl. We kind of get some validation if you're the Bengals and you want to hire Zach Taylor to be your head coach, which better than Hugh Jackson. But, you know. I mean, a mannequin is better than Hugh Jackson. Uh, yeah. But in the validation of Sean McVay that's going to be happening over the course of the next two weeks, let's also remember, like you said a little while ago, Bill Belichick's the greatest coach in football. Like, he is the guy. And if there's somebody that's going to figure out a way to shut down McVay, it's going to be him. So I'm looking forward to what's ahead for the Super Bowl. I know your team's out. My team hasn't been in it for the last 15 years. But here we are with the Patriots and the Rams. It's going to be fun. I was looking forward. I wanted to Vertoram, uh, your buddy Mike Condon. I wanted to Vertoram Condon Super Bowl. Yeah, we were that talking. Great, we're but. talking about it. Uh, listen, at the end of the day, uh, two really interesting games, four really interesting teams. It's the Pats. It's the Rams. Like I said, I'll be down in the Senior Bowl the next four days, and I'll be covering the Super Bowl with Jason Cole and a bunch of our video team. Follow everything Fansided does. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. If there's any silver lining, I don't have to have a stroke in the press box now. I could just sit there comatose. <laughs> um, but uh, listen, I want to take the opportunity to thank you to everybody who's listened to the podcast throughout the year. We're not yeah. going anywhere. We'll do it all the way through the Super Bowl and then through the offseason. Oh, we yeah. don't take any weeks off. Um, next week will probably be, I'm, I'm assuming, uh, we'll, on maybe Monday because I know we're all flying down there early Monday morning. I won't be in the office Sunday night, but there will be a podcast for us. We'll, we'll tweet it out. Uh, we'll give you some updates on the Stack in the Box Twitter handle, which you can find at Stack in the Box. Um, so the schedule might be a little wonky, but there will be podcasts, so don't worry about that. Um, beyond that, thanks to our sponsors of Fanatics. Uh, obviously, go to fanatics.fansided.com. Save 20% on shipping with the code FANSIDE. They have everything. They'll hook you up. 
Uh, if you enjoy the podcast and you haven't already, please subscribe on iTunes. Give us a comment. Give us a rating. Give us some feedback, whether it's at Stack in the Box on Twitter or it's an email to Hill or I or a tweet. Uh, we always love interacting with everybody. Uh, and I want to give a special shout-out to one of our favorite uh, fans and someone who is incredibly loyal to us, and that is uh, Clint McKenzie, who follows us both on Twitter and is an absolute diehard listener to the podcast. Always uh, so generous in, in tweeting out his support. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, Clint, thanks. I know you're a Chief fan. I know you're probably struggling with this one, but yeah. uh, hey, keep your chin up. Take so, it easy, Clint. Um, with that all being said, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week. If you're a Pats or a Rams fan, congrats. If you're a Chiefs fan or a Saints fan, hey, you gave it your best shot. Uh, try again next year. So, for Josh Hill, I'm Matt Verdam. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back again next week. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.